Peace, world. How y'all doing? Shaman Headcrack. After Hours Podcast, Episode 6. How you guys been? Looks like you all have got taller since the last time I've seen you. That's right. It's, it's been that long, but you gotta bear with me, man. There's a lot of great things happening over here, and sometimes to get the right product and the process going, it takes a little bit of time to get it together, so bear with me. I'm a work in progress. I'm a one-man operation, like I said in episode five, and this time around, I bought in the big guns. I bought in Rick Ross. Not the rapper Rick Ross. Freeway Ricky Ross, the guy who some of your favorite rappers have modeled their entire lives after. This man has actually lived it. A man whose life actually inspired a TV show on FX called Snowfall. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about his lawsuit with rapper Rick Ross and a whole bunch of other things. Now, with the After Hours podcast, we never come out to really glorify negativity. But when you look at the negative things this man has done and the way he kind of flipped it to a positive, it's, it's somewhat of an inspirational story. You know, when I first read about Freeway Ricky Ross, you know, especially on the younger version of myself, I was like, oh, man, this dude, you know, figured out a way to beat the system and got screwed in the process. But then he figured out how to screw the system, which when you live in a system that's been screwing us for as long as it's been screwing us, you kind of want to root for the quote-unquote bad guy. And I can honestly say it looks like Ricky Ross has gone from being the bad guy to being a man of the people, and he's trying to turn people's lives around. So we're going to get to all that, man. Enough of me talking. Let's get down to it. Welcome to Head Crack After Hours, Episode 6. Man, Mr. Ross, or Freeway Rick, as a lot of people also knew you as back in the day. Yep, yep. Man, you have such an interesting story that resonates with so many people. The interesting thing, when you came in here, um, you know, one of our cameramen uh, for Dish Nation, a guy named Trevor, he was he was hype. He was excited. He was excited like <laughs> like you was like Denzel Washington. You know, anyone who's read your story, uh, you know, about how you, know, you went from being a dude on the low end of the lowest, the lowest welfare, end. welfare, not enough food in the house, uh, taping tennis balls on the bottom of your tennis shoes so your feet don't touch the concrete. So uh, I've been I've been at the bottom. So to go from the bottom to be, you know, to a point where people say at one point in time you were worth almost a billion dollars or so sold almost a billion dollars worth of product at one point in time, then to get be given a life sentence to figure out a way to beat the system and get out of that life sentence, it's an amazing story within itself. It is, it is. And it's getting crazier every single day. I mean, it's just like uh, opportunities just continue to unfold and... uh you know, one of the things that I, I, I know that, that I learned how to do is um, I learned how to get to the top. You know, even though I'm on the bottom, I can be on the bottom, but I'm going to figure out how to get back to the top. And, and um, it's just a method that I, that I learned how to do. I, I don't know how I learned how to do it, but I did. And that's why I wrote my book. The, because I felt the, that... Uh, the, the untold biography. Of absolutely. Absolutely. I felt that other people should learn those same... Uh, techniques, you know, anything that I have ever wanted to do, I've always been able to do it. And once I look back at my life, I notice that I've never failed in my life. If you go in with that champion mentality, man, you could top anything. They always say the people who have the least figure out how to do the most. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So taking it back to like you know your, your childhood as a youth, yeah. what were you like as a kid? Like when did you first realize you had that entrepreneurial spirit? to where you can kind of like make something out of nothing. Well, I didn't really know it was entrepreneur at the time, but you know, when I was a kid, I used to pick up bottles from the neighbors and go around and pick up cans. You know, uh, I used to organize car washes with my friends. Uh, so I've always, uh, when my mom and I moved to LA, uh, we were sleeping on an auntie's couch. And uh, 
I started to develop the sense that money would fix that. You know, well, we didn't have to sleep on nobody's couch. And uh, um, I just never wanted to go through that again. You know, I never wanted to be poor again in my life. I didn't like being poor. I, you know, when my mom used to send me to the store with food stamps, I would be in line and I'd be hiding so that none of my friends would see me. You know, yeah. it, was, it was embarrassing to me to be poor. Uh, to me, being poor is almost embarrassing. I, I totally understand that. I think, you know, a lot of people can identify with that feeling. Don't get it wrong that I'm saying that because somebody's poor that that, that they should be looked down on. I'm not saying that mm -hmm. at all. What I'm saying is that I made up my mind that I was not going to be poor, that I wasn't going to be sitting around waiting on somebody's crumbs. You know, uh, I wanted everything that everybody else had, and, and, and I went for it. So a lot of people in business, they, they have a racket. But you literally picked up a racket and became very good at the sport of tennis. Yeah. Um, so who, who bought you? Like, was Arthur Ashe like a big inspiration back he then? He was. That was my hero, man. Uh, I used to love Arthur Ashe. He came down to our high school one year. Our high school was ranked, I think we were ranked three or four in the, in the nation. And we were all black, which was unheard of at the time. Uh, uh, the guy who started us playing is a guy named Richard Williams, not Venus and Serena's oh, dad. Oh, just said that Venus But man? he's the guy who taught their dad how to play as well. So... Yeah, so uh, uh, he started me playing, and, and uh, I just fell in love with the game. Lucky I did, because had I not started playing tennis, I probably would have been a gangbanger, you know, and, and my life probably would have turned out a, a, a lot different. You know, I learned a lot of stuff from tennis. Uh, I took tennis and used that into my drug business. Uh, how did you manage to flip tennis into the drug game? Well, well everything is kind of related, you know what I'm saying? Tennis is, is like a hustle sport, you know. You got to hustle balls. True. You know, the game of tennis is how many balls can you hit, you know, without one getting past you. That's the game. <laughs> and and in, in selling drugs is how many customers can you hit without one getting past you, you know. That's really the same type of game, you know. So so I just took that same mentality and I was like, I ain't letting no balls get by me. So were you yeah. selling drugs while you were playing tennis? No, I quit playing tennis. Uh, uh, I had... I don't know, I may have still been messing around a little bit, but it was, because when I, when I first started selling drugs, I was going to give me some tennis lessons, and, you know, I was going to take that money and, 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 and build my tennis career even to another level, but uh, uh, the money started coming so fast in the drug business, I was like, I'm just going to sponsor my homies who's trying to get on the circuit, and I ain't going on the circuit. But that must have been back in the day, because Venus and Serena made a lot of money in tennis. Oh, they did, they did. I, I knew Venus and Serena when they were coming up. Uh, now you made a lot of balls. I see you made what three million dollars in one day. Yes, I have days that I made three million dollars. Oh Lord! So, like most people, like you know, when you get into any business and it's becoming successful, you have a point where you'd be like, okay, I have enough money, I could chill because the overall risk isn't necessarily worth the award. So, when you got in, did you like come in with the mentality, yo, if I could stack maybe two million, I'm good? <laughs> or if no, I get five thousand, it was my goal when I came in. And how quick did you hit that? I don't know, probably a few months. But but what happens in the drug business is, is that the better you do, the easier it gets and the more money you start to make. So when I got to my 5000 uh, I probably was making like $500 a day. So I'm like, wow, if I'm making 500 a day, I got 5000 If I go for another month, I'm going to have 20000 So now your goal becomes 20000 Then when you get to 20000 now you're making 1500 a day. So you're saying, wow, why not just go and get a hundred grand? So now when you get to the hundred grand, you're making five thousand dollars a day. So you're saying, 
Why not get a million? So at what point, what was the deal where you just completely leveled up and then there was no more $1,500 a day days? Now it's all of a sudden this big major operation. Hey, I got to expand. I got to hire more people. Well, it, 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 it's a gradual process. It, it doesn't just explode overnight. Like a lot of people think that the drug business is easy. It's not. It's hard work, uh, just like any other business. Uh, but like I said, it went from 5000 to $20,000 a day, from $20,000 a day to fifty, from fifty to a hundred, from a hundred to a million. Uh, and, and it just kept ex- escalating until, uh, you know, until I eventually quit. Uh, I quit a year and a half before I got arrested. Um, that was the height of my career. You know, I had days um, that I said made $3 million. Most days it was from $1 million up to $3 million a day, according to who came by the house to see me. When, when I was sitting in prison, I thought about the skills that it took to go from $125 and making $3 million a day. And uh, what else I thought about, I said, well, are these skills transferable? You know, are they only for selling drugs? I would think not. So what I wanted to do is I started trying them. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in, I'm in prison. I'm, I'm getting a life sentence. What I got to lose? I ain't going nowhere. So uh, I was totally illiterate. I couldn't read or write. Um, and that's what prevented you from actually getting a tennis scholarship, Absolutely, right? absolutely. Um, so what I did is I started using the same skills that I used to sell drugs to reading and writing. Then I started using them after I learned how to read to do law. And that's the reason that I'm here right now. I got so good at doing the law that when I walked in the courtroom, I felt that I was the smartest person in the courtroom. That my lawyer who, who, who graduated from Harvard didn't know as much about my case as I did. You know, uh, I didn't feel the judge knew as much about my case, nor the prosecutor. So what I'm saying is that um, these skills are here and they are readily available to anybody. And that's the reason I wrote the book, because I thought that everybody should at least have the opportunity to know that these skills exist and that we all can use them for whatever field that, that we go into. And I've been using them since I've been on the street. Now, real quick, now, when you went in, when you got incarcerated, you were unable to read and you taught yourself to read while you were locked up? Yeah. And what was that that nugget of information that you found while you were locked up until you realized, hey, there's a loophole here in my case that can grant me my freedom? Well, they charged me with... a. Uh, uh, What's equivalent to three strikes? It's called an 851 in the feds, okay. uh, meaning that if you have uh, uh, two prior convictions, uh, either one of drugs or one of violent, and you catch another either drug or violent case, they can give you a life sentence without the pos- possibility of parole. Uh, well, in my case, I had the prior convictions, but it came under one arrest. I'd only been arrested one time in my life. So they tried uh, to stack that one arrest? and Well, what happened in my case, though, when I got arrested, they took me around the country to face trial in, in different cities and different states. Uh, so uh, what happened is once I got convicted of the first one, I just started pleading guilty to the other ones because I was going to be in jail anyway. They ran the time concurrent. It wasn't going to cost me no more time. It was gonna, wasn't going to cost me no more money. I was ready to get it over with. So I just started pleading guilty. So when um, when I did that, as soon as I got out of prison on that case, I was set up on another case by my friend. Uh, so they said, oh, you got three strikes. We're going to give you a life sentence without the possibility of parole. So um, I showed them that a person can't be a career criminal in one day. Um, and basically, my first arrest was one day. You know, even though it was over an eight-year period of time, uh, I had never been arrested. So if you 
have never been arrested, that's a continuous criminal spree and not a continuous criminal. Right. Uh, uh, because in order to be a criminal that's been showed that you was a criminal, you have to be brought to justice and showed your mistakes. Have you ever thought about being a lawyer? Uh, I did a little law work when I was in jail. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it seems like you know like the ins and outs. I studied it all day long. That's all I did. I didn't have a radio station I could come and talk to. You know, it's like, you're going to be in this cell 23 hours a day. What are you going to do at that time? Well, I decided that I was going to take that time and make it work for me. You know, I wasn't going to just sit there and watch TV or listen to the radio. Uh, I wanted to take that time because I'd already did that with my life, you know. Uh, I spent my life, my, my younger days, just, just living, you know, not directing my, myself in any certain direction. So while I was in prison, I said, you know what? You're going to start focusing. You're going to start aiming your energy at certain points in life. And that's what I Yes, I sued him. Yeah, I sued him. Uh, I felt that he owed me some money, you know. Yeah. I thought that was going to be an open and shut case. I was shocked that, you know, he managed to win because he literally took your persona. And there's a few people who have borrowed from the whole Freeway Ricky Ross, you know, like, you know, ID. Like, you know, you got the rapper Freeway out of Philly. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like you, you That's my man, people. though. That's my man. Shout and, out to... And he does a lot of great things in the community, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He a good dude. He a and good even dude. the rapper Rick Ross does a lot of great things in the community now, Well, too. I don't know him. <laughs> right. Well, he's here. Believe it or not, he's here in Atlanta, and he got some chicken. Place. I was going to wonder if he invited you to his wing stops. He ain't never took me out for dinner. He ain't, well, uh, he ain't did nothing, do. you know? I'll that's take the, you to the least he can do. No doubt. No, well, he should have been at the front gate. You know, when I got out and saying, you know what, thanks for all the great things that you did for me. That mm. 20 years you did in prison to make your name what it was and to make everybody know your name. So when I put out a record, it was already seasoned. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. I mean, even down to the beard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. It Are you is sure what you're it not is, his though. daddy or something like that? Not, no relationship? His real name is Willie Roberts. Yeah. Oh, Rick, Rick Ross? Yeah, it's William oh. Roberts. Yeah, William Roberts. <laughs> oh, oh. Slick Willie, if you're nasty. <laughs> but, but the other thing is, like, when I was reading about that that whole situation, it reminded me of the movie CB4. I don't know if you got a chance to see it. You yeah, remember I saw how, CB4. like, you know, Gusto was in jail? Yeah, yeah that then was a, crazy. That was crazy. Oh, man. But, but here, the cool thing is that you're here to tell your story. I hate that you did time considering that the real criminals was actually the people from the CIA. Ronald Reagan, George Bush, Oliver North. You know, the, uh, but you know that's how it goes. If 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 you on the bottom, you don't have the information, then you always get the the, the blunt of the stick. You know. Now, what's the best way? I guess for people who don't understand, uh, the best way to break this down: uh, the CIA in the early part of the '80s needed to fund an war that was going on with the Contras. Absolutely. In order to do this, they they funneled in tons of cocaine. Well, first started with Iran with the weapons. Okay. They got the money from selling the weapons to Iran. Okay. Then they took that money. And, and this is what my informant testified to when, mm -hmm. when, when he was on the witness stand, who also was my drug supplier. Right. That they took the money from Iran, which is only $18 million. It wasn't enough money to fight the war. So they decided to take the money from Iran and buy drugs with it. And the drugs that they bought... They needed people on the street to move the product. Absolutely. Ain't no sense of having no drugs. Ain't nobody going to move them. So how do they get in touch with you? You know what? It, 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 it happened slowly and, and, and steadily. It's, it's like uh, uh, 
you make your mind up that you're going to do something and you just do it. You know, mm-hmm. how, how did it happen? I just kept working, working hard, working hard. And the next thing you know, here you are sitting in this living room with this guy who knows the Nicaraguans, you know, and, and, and it, it's, it's, it's kind of like, uh, what what do they call it? The the law of attraction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know so how, you how you start thinking those... something and you just attract it to yourself. Wow. So none of those CIA CIA guys got arrested. Oh no 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 no. Even the guy that I got my drugs from, they they said that they had him charged with over ten thousand kilos of cocaine, mm-hmm. and I think he did twenty eight months in jail. What? So you know when and your you son did twenty years. Yeah, I did twenty years. But you know you think about all the other kids. You know the young black kids who get caught with an ounce of crack or two ounces of crack, and they get twenty years, fifteen years. My first celly when I got to prison was eighteen years old. They arrested him. Uh, three days after his 18th birthday, because if they'd arrested him when he was 17, when he actually committed the crime, he uh, he'd have went to juvenile. He was a juvenile, so they waited till he turned 18. They gave that kid 20 years for two ounces. I think less than a less than a thousand dollars worth of uh, worth of drugs. That's ridiculous. And, and like, I mean, there's such a business. And he did the 20 every day of it. Every day of it. I mean, it's such a business in the prison system, you know, like no wonder that why the cards are stacked. Oh, no doubt. You know, no doubt. It's unfortunate to see that it seems like we reap the negative benefits of all that. Everything. It's mostly us catching these L's. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. In Atlanta, they recently uh, not completely decriminalized marijuana, but they, you know, kind of give you a ticket. Well, they're doing it in L.A., man. We just come from a meeting the other day and they're going with an equal equity program in L.A. where they're going to make the people with the money. Because now everybody with the big money wants to come in and get on in on a business, mm-hmm. and the guys who been to jail for this and 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 lived through that, uh, they were going to be pushed out. But I'm glad that LA City Council came up with an equal equity program where they saying, okay, if you want to come in here and put your money, you got to partner up with somebody from the community. And I think that was the best thing that that ever happened in LA. Uh, I'm excited about it and uh, glad to be a part of it. That's dope. Now. Thinking about the risks that come with everything you did, I'm surprised your beard didn't turn gray sooner. Because um, <laughs> when you're a drug dealer, you know, you have other rival drug dealers that probably want to no take doubt. you down and, like, you know, no move doubt. in on your territory. Um, you also maybe have the family of people who drugs were being sold to who feel a certain way. Because, I mean, like, let's be honest, as much as, like, you know, especially in the hip-hop culture, we root for the drug dealers like they're a football team. We really no do. doubt, no doubt. Um, but also the drug trade and the drug game actually tore apart tons of families. There are families who still haven't recovered. No doubt. Uh, some of the way these people are thinking now. Is Our neighborhoods haven't recovered. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's like a, a disease within within people. Um, you know, like, what, did you ever worry or, like, did you spend nights, like, not able to close your eyes because there were just so many things to worry about with the uh, occupational hazards of what you did? It definitely it definitely was a, a dangerous trade, and, and, and I signed on, you know, for, for the job. But after I got to prison, you know, and I got to thinking about the risk that I really took, and, and it, it made me look at it totally different, you know, uh, because I, I found out that not only did I put my myself on the line, but I was also put my whole family on the line because, you know, I, I was in jail with people who have went in the house and killed everybody there. You know, uh, uh, now I don't know if these guys committed those crimes, but there was guys that was accused of committing these type of crimes. So when I sit back and I thought about the danger that I had not only was put myself into but my brothers, my sisters, my mom, my kids, everybody uh, was put in that type of a situation. And and uh, I found out, and, and to be willing to do that is the reason why uh, I was able to win. 
because I was willing to, 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 to put it all on the line. And I know now in any business that I go to, when you're willing to put it on the line like that, you can win. And that's why um, these guys that's out there selling drugs are so valuable to, to the community because they are willing to do that. And if they take that same energy and channel it into anything else, uh, they're going to be successful. I had left my family uh, 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 a few things, but you know what, what I found out about business and people who who are not educated in the business, uh, they're not going to keep it. So you you have to be definitely be taught about business. You have to understand the laws of money. There are laws to having money, and if you're not practicing those laws, uh, uh, you won't have money long. So when you get arrested, and you, I mean, and I, if if you completely didn't tell us the truth, I get it. Out of all the money that they said you amassed, did you keep any of it? Uh, when I went to jail, I still had a little money left, you know. Uh, I Were was you able there for to... 20 years, or did they put it on your books? No, they would, they would send me money, you know. I had, I had uh, girlfriends that would, uh, you know, would keep money on my books. So, so, you know, my phone bills, my first first years or so, my phone bills was like five to $8,000 every month. Oh, because of just, collect calls? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, they put me in a single cell, and all I had to do was just lay in the bed and talk on the phone. So uh, I still had a little money when I was there. I was still paying a few car notes and, mm-hmm. you know, paying a few few house notes and rents and, and stuff like that there. But uh, after a while, it starts to run out, and um, which is probably the best thing that happened to me, you know, because once I ran out of money and, and everybody left me by myself, I was able to do some soul searching and figure out who I really was. Mm-hmm. And that enabled me to to do what I started to do. You know, before I left prison, I read over 300 books. Wow. Uh, and I'm not talking about hood books. Uh, I started reading books about uh, Sam Walt and Nike, uh, the people who run this country. You know, I was sitting in prison and I was like, I want to compete with Puffy. You know, I want to do what Puffy doing. I want to do what Master P doing and Russell Simmons and uh, Bill Gates. You know, I want to compete with these guys. So uh, I had to sit in my prison cell and figure out what I could do that I would get an advantage on them. If there was three books that changed your life, what would you say they were? Oh, easy. Think and Grow Rich. Richest oh, Man yeah, in Babylon. Yeah. As a Man Think. think. Rich. So, so Think and Grow Rich. As a Man Think. And The Richest Man in Babylon. As a man. You can't miss with them three books. I love it. I read it 25 times. Yeah. How many times since you've been out? Maybe once. I don't have time to read now. <laughs> Be moving around. Yeah. Hustle this new book, which is the untold biography of Rick Ross. Yep. Uh, it's available everywhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Audio book? Uh, yeah, audio book is out. Did you do the voice? No, I didn't do the voice. Danny Boy did the voice. The singer from Death Row? Yeah, That's yeah. That's an interesting pairing. Yeah, Danny did it. Uh, I probably I probably redo it, you know, and... and, and um, because they've been asking me to do it myself, but I'd be so busy, man. I don't have no well, time. You need to you slow down and do it, do it like, while you're in the backseat of a car. You got an interesting voice. People need to hear you. There was a book I was reading from this uh, doctor named uh, uh, Dr. Robert Monroe. It's about um, uh, astral projection. And the person who read the book for him did such a good job. I thought Dr. Robert Monroe was still alive. I was like, I'm going to call him and get him on my podcast. <laughs> Couldn't find out he died in 1994. But... Your story is so unique and so interesting. People need to hear it from your mouth. Like sometimes, like somebody reading your words can't read it with the passion that you could read because you lived it, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's, I, and there's not so many people like you walking around. No, it's not. I mean, very, very few. I mean, uh, and, and you know, guys with my background don't talk. So to have somebody like me who comes out and talks about uh, uh, what happened in that life is rare, you know, because 
people from my background, they just don't talk. You know, that's the word. Don't talk. Right. I, I would buy the book in your voice because your voice sounds like a person that went to jail. So it's just, you know, <laughs> Do it's, I sound it's, like it's I went to jail? Voice. Yeah, you have that voice because it, it sounds endearing. It really is. Uh, I'm sounds, trying to be a CEO, though. I'm, I got to yeah, change that, my but voice no, now. But still, you can still be a CEO, but you don't have that. It's just a natural voice that's mesmerizing to hear you talk about the story. To tell Especially when you consider most CEOs probably did things that should have landed them in jail. There's a, a, and got a away with it, huh? to all that. <laughs> now, there's a show on FX called Snowfall, which I was deeply entrenched into, which a lot of people say is loosely based on your life and everything that happened, you know, around that time in, in L.A. Have you got a chance to see it yet? I haven't, so I'm boycotting it. I took a knee. <laughs> Kaepernick Snowfall? <laughs> yeah, man, I took a knee on Snowfall, man. Uh, you know, me and John knew each other. We've been to lunch a few times, talked about us doing some stuff and doing my story together and uh, to find out that he had went and did Snowfall and then called me and then offered me a consulting job. And then, you know, he opened the story up with me, you know. So uh, I felt a little a little shined on it, you know. And, and he knew that I'd been negotiating with different studios and stuff about doing it. But they say I'm difficult, you know, because I want to get paid. Oh, uh, your story is going to make some people some money, so you should want to get paid. Absolutely. So, so, so I'm, I'm a little disappointed in, in, in John and, and the way he went about it. You know, and John bought my book. He was one of the first people to buy my book. So uh, uh, to know that all that and, and that he did the show, I'm... I'm I'm just a little disappointed in it. Well, gotcha. Well, if you're still looking for a deal, my man Trevor actually over there. He wants like yeah. He like read all your books. He told he wants to try to like you know shoot. Yeah, something. he want to shoot something. Y'all exchange numbers, man. <laughs> he's gonna screw you over. He's a good kid. He's been working with us about a month. No doubt, no um, doubt. I'm gonna holler at him. <laughs> no doubt. I'm so. always looking to make new connections. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, I learned something in, in prison. You know, the more people you know, the faster you grow. Indeed. Ooh. Now I know you listen to a lot of hip hop, right? Or do you? A little bit, a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah. Now, like, sometimes when I hear uh, certain people rap, I, I wonder, are they believable? Now, have you ever listened to uh, Pusha T or The Clips? I heard a little bit of Pusha T. Do you believe them? Because they, they they definitely talk about that life. Well, well, from what I hear, Pusha T is is, is from there. You okay. know what I'm saying? He been there. What about uh, 2 Chains? Nah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what about Willie Roberts? AKA rapper Rick Ross. Well, we know we can do science with him and 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 tell that he's never been in the game. He was a correctional officer from 19 to 20, you know. Um, so it's almost impossible to go from there and to be moving 300 kilos of cocaine. It just it just don't work like that, you know. Hey man, I believe you. Were <laughs> by those, so that's that. Uh, how, how's that that tennis swing? You still got it? Uh, I'm working on some young pros right now. Say, well, you still sp you sponsoring people? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I tell rappers all the time, I think tennis is the best sport because, like, especially with the movement on stage, with the back and forth and keeping your cardio going, yeah. I'm trying to tell as many people as I can to get into tennis, man. I definitely want to get into it, man. So, uh, yo, man, keep rocking it, rocking in the real world, man. And one more time, if people want to follow you, uh, keep track of all the things you're doing because, like, I mean, even though you had, like, this dark past, you've really done a lot of community outreach and done a lot of things to, like, I have, help I better have. people. I have. I've been killing it, man. I've been killing the game. I mean, I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of you. Because <laughs> most people would have, like, got out and got, like, in trouble again. Yeah. And I know it almost looked like you got in trouble again. But I, think yeah. I was reading the stories, like, yeah, you got pulled over, you had $100,000 cash on you, and they thought it would look a little shady. I was going to buy a farm, though. What oh, was farm? Nice. With some yeah, cows and sheep. No, no, not for cows. Oh. oh, marijuana. Oh, so you're still in the game, but legally. <laughs> but it's legal, yeah. The marijuana is legal. Like I can be. get a license growing marijuana, but I can't sell marijuana. In the, they in, let you in get the a city. license? 
I thought once you have a felony, you can't get nothing. Oh no, 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 not 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 with the marijuana thing. Oh, okay, they're not groovy. doing it like that. Do you I can't smoke. I can't get a. Uh, I don't smoke anymore. Um, I may have to start back though. Uh, no, don't. I got I got diagnosed with uh, glaucoma. Oh, really? A couple weeks ago, so they got uh, good eye doctors. Some people saying that that's one of the best cures. Yeah. Um, you know, right now I'm out. I'm trying to sell a hundred thousand books. You know, okay. that's my goal. Uh, uh, independent on the streets. And, uh, you know, I'm just pushing it right now, man, and, 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 and having a ball, you know, and getting some support, you know what I'm saying, around the city, you know, uh, um, Cesar Mitchell, you know, he, he came out and helped us. He's running for mayor he sure uh, is. Uh, uh, here in Atlanta. So he came out to uh, one of the events and, and, and lent some support. Uh, the coach over at Morehouse, he let me come over and speak to the football team and, and you know, and just to be able to bless the kids so that they could see where I made my mistakes at and hopefully uh, they can dodge those pitfalls. Uh, they setting up so I, at Morehouse so that I can speak to the whole student body yeah. because I never spoke to an all-black school. You know, I spoke really? at Brown University, Stanford, UCLA, and these schools have paid me to come and then I'm like, well, I'll volunteer to go speak at the black schools. There but you go. They won't allow me in there. Yeah. <laughs> That's weird. Like, what do you think? You going to sell to them? Probably I guess so. so. That's ridiculous, man. I, my I, man just told me uh, you related to Jermaine Dupree. <laughs> we don't know yet. Uh, 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 his last name is Malden, and, and my mom's maiden name is Malden, and, and we have family that think so. And, Never. you know, me and him joke about it, but... Uh, I mean, if you guys were, were, were here for it, we do this thing called Paternity Test Tuesday here on the Ricky Smile Morning Show. If you guys were here for, like, whoever, like, how many miles we got to swab to figure it out and get down to the bottom of it, we're here for that. <laughs> if, you, if you're up for the challenge, we can, we can decide this today. And we uh, can go through Brad. She could probably know, too, because she's close with him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we see. I mean, I, I don't. I ain't got nothing against it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm open for whatever. You know, yeah. I'm just out here, man, having a ball, <laughs> loving, loving life. I mean, life right now to me is like, can you imagine you lose your life and get it back? Yeah, it doesn't happen for everybody. God yeah, apparently man. has a plan for you, and uh, you try and sell a hundred thousand books. You're gonna have one less book to sell today because I'm definitely buying one. Well, look, <laughs> the man with the plan right here, and Freeway, Ricky Ross. Be sure you pick up his book, The. Untold autobiography of Rick Ross available everywhere. And uh, one more time, his social media is uh, Freeway Ricky on on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook is Freeway Rick Ross. You can pick up the book on my website at freewayrickyross.com. Also, yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to be doing some music stuff, man. I'm working with my man, Brian Kennedy. We're going to be doing some big music stuff, man. We're going to hit like 10 cities. Uh, Brian's looking for some artists that he can produce. Uh, I don't know if you know who Brian is. I've heard the name. He produced Rihanna. Uh, oh, Okay. Bruno Mars. I mean, some everybody. Like He's, all the big tunes. All like, the big ones. All the big ones. Bruno Mars, you already gonna make money. And so oh, I had yeah. this idea in prison of uh, what I wanted to do, and I, I, you know, I hollered at Dre about it, and 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 nobody took me up on it. But now Brian is taking me up on the offer. Um, you know, I told him we probably gonna make a billion dollars doing it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's some, it. So artists out there, hit me up if you're artists. Uh, uh, we're looking for somebody special though. Okay, cool, man. Uh, your inbox is going to be flooded. It's going to be like... I need it. LA I days. need it. I need it. Flooded. I need it. <laughs> One stop. Freeway. Ricky. Yes, Freeway. Where did he send that music to? Uh, they can they can hit me up on, on, on my social media. Freeway Ricky. Thank we you. We on it, y'all. Freeway Ricky Ross. <laughs> <laughs>
reached out to Freeway Ricky Ross. I got a chance to actually start reading the book since the interview, and there's definitely a lot of gems in there. It is an absolute must-read. And also pick up those books that he talked about in the interview. Think and Grow Rich, The Richest Man in Babylon, and As a Man Think. I haven't read any of those books, but everybody's been telling me about Think and Grow Rich for the longest time. So expand your mind, man. Be fair and just in your actions. And always understand, no matter how dark the road you took to get to where you are in life right now, you could always turn things around. You could also think you're on top of the mountain and lose everything at the blink of an eye. That's a man right there who had millions and millions of dollars in the bank and he had to start from ground zero. But it was being used to working with nothing that got him out of the hole that he was in. And now he's flying low, trying to do the right thing. I can't knock the hustle, man. And I definitely wouldn't knock yours. Anyway, this episode's brought to you by TheShirtOfTheMonth.com. Are you looking for something to wear, but you have no options in your closet? Go to TheShirtOfTheMonth.com, sign up for a subscription, and you can get a free shirt sent to you every month, no questions asked. It's easy, it's convenient. It's TheShirtOfTheMonth.com. Pick, rock, repeat. Anyway, till the next time, I'm going to catch you on the flip side. It's your man, Head Crack. After Hours Podcast. I'm out. You got to.